We are back to talk about our killer threes. I believe this is our last episode in the series. Uh, we're going to be talking about the, I think it's 1987 classic, You're Dream correct. Warriors. <laughs> it's Nightmare, uh, Nightmare on Elm, Elm Street, Street 3. 3. Jinx, if we, say it, if we say it three more times together, Freddy will appear. Actually, uh, uh, pass. <laughs> actually, if we say it three times together, Rennie Harlan will appear next. So. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I'm in for that. <laughs> I have yeah, questions. We're, we're here to talk about uh, uh, the third installment, Nightmare on Elm Street. And, uh, you know, when I think about these movies, Mike, I always reminds me of a quote. And that is, <laughs> sleep, those little slices of death, how I loathe them, by Edgar Allan Poe. So <laughs> I'm glad you're able to open our podcast with that quote the same way that the movie opens. <laughs> I think it's important that we uh, tell people we're classy because we know Edgar Allan Poe enough to quote him, even though it has <laughs> no bearing on anything that's going to be presented to you for the next two hours. You know, I, I wish I had done a little more research now on this to try to find out if that was from the script or if that was like a producer note of we need to, we need to add something that people know, like this is this is highbrow. <laughs> I can't remember. Did they do that for all of them or was it just... Uh, oh. just this one. Oh, that's a good question because it feels notable if this is like the only one. <laughs> um, opening with a quote. I thought they did it on more, uh, but I can't. I, I was gonna Google. I can't remember anyway. But I, it it, yeah. it makes me laugh. It does feel like something like a high school production would would have somebody <laughs> come out on stage and present to you before they actually start whatever the play is going to be it's which just very... I, I think is fitting in uh one i, I think thematically it, like the quote obviously works um for any kind any freddy Krueger movie yeah, that, yeah but then also for this one they it is adds a higher quality than like production value than friday the 13th three was like there's a little more talent a little more money being spent and so it just feels like all around uh, it fits as like a they're trying to do a, a classier production here. <laughs> well, I mean, so this is 87. So Friday the 13th, I think part six and seven are out at this point. And those were like in the 15 million box office range. This did 45 million, which was huge for yeah, this, this genre at the time. I guess we were a little too young. I have a vague memory of in the early 90s like freddy krueger popping up on mtv things <laughs> um and but you, when you say this does like 45 million it's like he was a huge huge icon for a stretch of time where he kind of eclipsed um michael and jason as like the horror um yeah kind of biggest draw at the box office wise and that's like kind of ebbed and flowed since then um, but he definitely had a time where he was he was on top of what audiences uh, were looking for, and you can see he's a little snarkier, a little a uh, little more attitude. Where uh, after seeing kind of the silent killers, it kind of made it made a turn to a different direction, and audiences were were ready for that. Do you think? Well, not, yeah, that's true. I think um, uh, his personality is what helped him endure. Uh, <laughs> Robert England and how he plays Freddie. Because he played Freddy in everything until the uh, the remake, I think. And the that sounds right. And then it's uh, what's his Jack, name? The kid, Jackie, the kid from uh, Jackie Earl. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it. Kid from Bad News Beers. <laughs> uh, I've never seen that actually. 
Really? Okay. I need to You'd watch it. it. <laughs> like, I need to watch a kid's 1970s comedy <laughs> so mm-hmm. I can get current. Um, yeah, he, he he's a more fun character. Uh, I, I think they are able to lean into the humor a lot more, a lot earlier than um, Friday the 13th or certainly Halloween did. Um, uh, I think, is this the first instance of uh, Freddy just calling everybody bitch whenever he does stuff? <laughs> I think it is. I think he does it a little bit in like the first, but it's kind of uh, this is really where it really feels like uh, his catchphrase. Like he's <laughs> yeah. really owning it. Yeah, I think they they start to they start to lean in. So this is the third one. Talk about the killer threes. I do think this is they where they they two is was a strange one. Um, uh, it didn't really. I don't. I don't know if it didn't work, but. Uh, I love to. I, I I like it. I just think it seems to get forgotten about a lot in terms of uh, its relevance to the series. Dream Warriors was, I think, the the high water mark for a lot of people for this for the series, and and that was where they think you know okay they kind of solidify what Freddy really is going to be and and how he interacts with people. Well, it's interesting. I, it really starts because you have a bit of this in two, less so in one. It really starts to lean into the ironic deaths. Yes, that will become a staple of like the next several sequels, and kind of like this real set piece. Oh, like you have an eating disorder, so like you're gonna have until you explode and die, or um, the little and this uh, really Willy Wonka. starts to yeah, <laughs> and this really starts to lean into that, and and this one they're pretty clever, um. And the TV ones like kind of like that. Yeah. And, but it becomes like diminishing returns later as they become less and less clever. And you can a hundred percent see them coming. Whereas this way, they're still a little newer and fresher. Um, and so they, they work a little, but it's definitely a pivot for the series, especially with Freddie. And it's funny in this one because they're going to pains to create a backstory of Freddie. <laughs> um, but it's just, the character always is a little weird to me because he is like this child murderer, maybe rapist, but then he's pretty clever, witty, and funny, and what a good time he is! Like, yeah, and they and they show him in later movies as having a family that he apparently abuses. I don't. It's weird. Like, you, yeah, you, there's no consistency around who and what Freddy is. Um, I don't get. I don't know. I never. I've never. Under, I've never quite understood it. And I think. I think it's yeah. a mistake to feel like they need to engineer the backstories for these guys. Like they're better yes. just being kind of mythical. It, it's amazing how it, every little de- every detail you find out of like a backstory kind of spoils it because the blank slate you can project your own imagination on is so much richer. It's so much you, more terrifying. And what do we learn about Freddy in this one? What's what's what is his yeah. the bastard child of like a hundred maniacs? <laughs> yeah. So his mom, his mom was a nun, and she was apparently assaulted by a hundred different uh, crazed people in a in an asylum. Yeah, she got locked inside a, a asylum for the criminally insane for like a weekend, and was just left with them. And apparently, they all raped her and then she was pregnant and had freddie and we don't and know who the despite is. how biology actually works 
The movie posits that this would make Freddy uh, a child of them all. Um, yeah, he's kind of a kind of a cocktail of all these guys, I'd say, in terms of. No. <laughs> he's just a genetic. mixture of like the evilest people. <laughs> Instead of just being like you know, having one father, how things would really work. <laughs> no, this is how this is how serial killers work too. They're definitely born uh, yeah. through um through horrible events of crazy people that are. Uh, <laughs> that are um uh commingling their genetic material <laughs> and the other thing i don't get about that backstory like i get that that's a pretty fun line like, like the bastard child of a hundred maniacs or a thousand maniacs or whatever it is um it's pretty fun but it's almost like they're trying to elicit like some sympathy for freddie of like <laughs> oh like he was doomed it's not his fault it's his, he's it's like a doomed of- figure yeah it's like yeah they're kind of letting him off the hook for like any anything he's done by he's a rascal. horrible backstory um and it's just it's just funny like, you know I, I i don't i don't need <laughs> i don't need any of that i know we you and i watched this a couple years ago um i'll be honest i had totally forgotten about that backstory totally yeah. forgot and, and so when craig wasson's talking to the nun i'm like wait who is this nun like why is she talking to him spoiler alert and then she disappeared and you're yes yeah, so you find out she's freddie's mom and i, I just all of it went totally over my head. Just completely forgot <laughs> that uh, that uh, they decided to start introducing these little nuggets in the, in the movie. <laughs> and it's also where they think this is this the first time they're introducing like the Christian mythology. Yes, to I use think to so. fight Freddy. I think um, so. Which I, I also think kind of they play both ways, where it, like sort of works but sort of doesn't. Um, I would argue does not work because they introduced it so late <laughs> that you're like, wait, what? Well, then you know that he's going to come back as well. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I wish they could have figured out a way with Freddy, and, and they they sort of do, but it never quite works. So maybe I, you know, I'm wishing they figured out something that would work for me because maybe this works for other people. Of how. Some like rules of what makes him come, how you can stop him. <laughs> he either feels, yeah, <laughs> oh god. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, no, uh, he either feels like unstoppable and overpowered. It's like, well, once you fall asleep, he's in your dreams and in control and going to kill you. It's nothing you can do. Yeah. Or it's you get into this like Christian. So it's like, oh, that feels like. You can stop him forever, maybe, <laughs> with with this. Um, so how does he ever come back? And like, I wish they had found something for like each movie where this is why he's coming to these people, and there's like a way you can get out of this. But while he's like picking people off, I don't know. It's just something that always feels like a little overpowered that makes it a little less scary because it's like, well. This is just ridiculous. Like, there's nothing you could do. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. It's, it, it, I mean, I've seen this before, so it, it didn't help. But this time, just going through the third act, it's like there's no, there's really no stakes other than just these kids are at risk to be killed by by Freddy right. because I, you, I guess they're trying to tackle my they they my do these, by making them the dream warriors where they can fight back and have abilities, but that's vaguely <laughs> undefined and. Well, it, it feels like either then you should be powerful, or Freddy's way too powerful, and I, yeah, it never quite. Well, and they, for me. 
they, I was looking at my notes because I was trying to remember, like, how do they string this together? And every, <laughs> um, and it was every, they, these kids are the, um, uh, Elm Street kids or the last of the Elm Street kids, which is what <clears throat> they bring back, uh, Nancy Thompson from the first one, yeah. uh, played by Heather Langenkamp, um, which is a real treat. Um, but now, a, now, now a, uh, doctor phd student <laughs> something like that yeah <laughs> um she's got the same crazy uh gray hair that she gets in the first one um she got her she's got her rogue hairdo that's what she's got um, her hair is insane in this yes. movie when she first walked on screen i like, <laughs> I, I, th- I think i made a physical noise of like it's like holy shit like her yeah, hair is gigantic gigantic she strains her neck wearing that perm <laughs> But yeah, it's um they 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 tr- they do some work to string it together, but again, it's not enough to make it be like, oh, this makes sense. Like they're the last of the Elm Street kids, which means that Freddie, I guess, terrorized Elm Street uh, at some point. But nobody seems to acknowledge or talk about that or the fact that this neighborhood was a horrible, you know, should have been some horrible place at one point or another. <laughs> and they keep kind of going back and forth to being Nancy's house in the first one is the common thread for what what brings freddie to these people but it's never they lean in hard on it but then never fully enough to actually have it make sense so it's it's a yeah it's, it's not quite well done well and they're going forward this movie with that the house stuff it never really goes into it enough see it's asking you to bring your knowledge from the previous movies yeah. um of the house which is interesting because normally these 80s horror movies go to such great length to make sure it, the audience is like all caught up from <laughs> the last ones to where like Friday 3 has like 10 minutes of Friday 2 in it. <laughs> um, it is better. not an uncommon thing uh, to do. So it's interesting that this does feel a little more modern and they, they're kind of trusting the audience. And maybe it's a time where like Blockbuster or something's big enough where like, oh, like people are watching these like the fans are watching these like on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, we can trust they have a, they have a knowledge of, of everything. Um, and so it's kind of a shift in just Hollywood filmmaking in general, which is, which is kind of interesting. Well, and, and this is also after VHS has finally hit the market and you know, it's, it is starting, you know, things, things are changing on how people consume media at this point. So, but yeah. Um, so we should uh, talk about it, you know, overall the story is about uh, a character named Kristen who, I believe has superpowers <laughs> and, or she has some sort of uh, mental ability. Uh, and uh, Freddie, it opens with Freddie getting into her dreams and uh, she finds herself. She in has the, the ability. Go oh, good, good. Oh yeah. Sorry. We're getting some internet hiccups here. Uh, no, I, 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 so I missed kind of what you said. I was going to say, she apparently has the ability to like enter dreams. Yep. Um, not, in, like, I'm not, an even sure, not even sure what that means <laughs> now that i say it uh that's what's hard is because they, they introduced these big kind of, yeah we, i'm going back on exactly what we just said they introduced these giant concepts and these kind of heady ideas of like okay here's something we could do to make this story interesting but if you if you start going too deep into it to try to understand you're like nope all false part <laughs> yeah it's, it's been so much time on right so i do want to be clear. I, I, I do like this movie um especially when you start comparing it to the sequels that are coming oh yeah it gets after worse. this I, I i do like this i get why this is pretty beloved in the franchise um 
And I, I think that's some of the problem I have is like they're they don't I think this does a pretty good job of showing what these like powers are and what they can do, but they're very hard to articulate and explain. And once you start like thinking about it too much, you get yourself like backed into like corners of, of <laughs> trying to figure out the logic of this stuff. Cause it is dreams. So there's really, no, there's like only like dream logic to it, which is arbitrary by its very nature. And so it, it becomes very hard to like conceptualize or explain to someone like what they're like, what this person's abilities or powers are. And like, so I, I get why like I kind of bounce off some of the things in here, but why other people would be like, Oh no, I get it. It's just dreams. Like that explains everything. <laughs> and I'm looking for more answers probably than I should be. Uh, fair. And, and well, and that's, that's what's it's like, even the opening has something that, that makes you question like, what's the reality of this? Because uh, long story short, um, Kristen, Kristen has a dream about Freddie and she starts screaming and, and her mom finds her in her bathroom and, and you can see both sides of you. you see the dream and then you see reality and for whatever reason on the reality side of it you know freddie's been attacking her but she has a razor blade in her hand and so her mom busts in who <clears throat> her mom seems like kind of a terrible person um <laughs> uh and thinks that she's trying to kill herself and so uh that kind of takes us to meet the rest of the dream warriors which is at this uh, I can't remember. What, I can't remember what the name of the clinic is. It, I think it's like UCLA's campus or something that they're 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 doubling for this uh, this uh, what do you call it? Like uh, mental mental ward, and it it's like a ward that's only for kids that all have like uh, horrible problems. Like uh, I'm I'm thinking of Taryn was a former heroin addict. We get we get to meet a couple <laughs> of them. Uh, Philip who I think is the kid in the wheelchair. I don't actually know what his reason is for being there. Um, And then <laughs> Kincaid and Kincaid yeah. and Joey. I actually don't know what, what I know. There's like, they, they have issues that they have to, they're trying to contend with, but I'm like, I don't remember besides heroin being a Taryn being addicted to heroin, like what any of their issues were. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I, I mean, it's kind of like an all purpose, like, <laughs> mental yeah. hospital it seems um addiction the, recovery uh, you got it mental health yeah. issues you got it you're right I, i'm trying physical to, disabilities you got it <laughs> figure if that seems realistic or or not of i would describe it as they unrealistic would, they would all be like yeah housed on the same the because, same place with like the same doctors and doing like group therapy together yeah, I think this movie, uh, and then in 1985, there's the group therapy uh, for uh, Friday the 13th Part 5. I would argue in the 80s, group therapy for kids was not working <laughs> based on how <laughs> it's presented. So I think that movie walks a pretty fine line and generally works here. But these kids have like so many problems. It really almost goes too far. And like once they start dying of, of like, oh, like this is kind of not fun. Like this poor kid, like his life seems so horrible. Yeah. And I, I was thinking like, besides, and, and they don't make them, they don't make them detestable or annoying characters. No, just, which I think is part of why people like this. Cause you can enjoy these characters. Unlike, uh, well, in the first Friday or first nightmare on Elm street, they make adults out to be, not evil, but dismissive and and 
unengaged from their kids, which is sort well, of because the adults are trying to hide the secret they, they have. And, yeah. yeah. And uh, I think, I think that they're doing some of that same work here with the exception of two, two adults, which is uh, Craig Watson and Heather Langenkamp. And I don't know if it lands as well because your focus is on these kids, but then the kids are the ones who are all being killed. I don't know. It's, 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 it's hmm. a strange one. Yeah. That's maybe something that is probably the Heather Langenkamp, Craig Watson stuff probably becomes too focal. Whereas yes. like the previous ones are always about the kids and staying yeah. with them. Um, and so I, I guess like bringing Heather back is kind of, um, uh, um, I guess with Nancy, um, the character is kind of supposed to still be like, she's kind of supposed to be grouped in with the kids a bit there, but, uh, but yeah, you kind of lose. Is that some of the natural stuff that works in the first two is, Oh, these are kids who are going through like, I mean, they've, been through puberty but still on that like 16 17 year olds like hormones are crazy like life is a little crazy and so people kind of dismiss things you're going through because of that so it works whereas this everything is just like kind of heightened with like a mental hospital and then there are adults helping them and it's kind of a big shift well, from I, I, yeah. a lone teenager dealing with this problem and I think I think you're they ultimately build it up to um all of them are being uh, harangued by Freddie in their dreams. I think that was what comes out in the therapy thing is that uh the they're all having these these same experiences where they're being haunted and that's part of why they're there. So I think that and then uh eventually Heather Langenkamp comes in and she some she of course out of everybody puts puts it together as Nancy uh, she puts it together that uh, uh, the Elm Street kids which never really, <laughs> I thought it sounded like a fun gang name but uh, the Elm yeah. Street kids are uh, are the common it's, thread of, of why they're all it, having it sounds like a nineteen forties like comic strip <laughs> the Elm Street kids it could be um, <laughs> but yeah I, I it's it's interesting setup I, I they also set up uh, two doctors. Uh, obviously, uh, Heather Langenkamp is Nancy, who I guess she's not she's not a doctor, but she's she's a student. She's, like a, says. she's a grad student, I think, coming in. Which uh, go ahead, I have something I really oh, love about, about her. Um, uh, Craig Watson, who plays Doctor Neil Gordon, which is a most boring name. And then there's uh, what was her name? Uh, Doctor Elizabeth Sims, who I believe is this older older doctor who yeah. Uh, 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 Seems to be the naysayer of Nancy, but go ahead. What do you what do you what have you got for us? <laughs> so the two, so it's uh, <laughs> Doctor Sims and uh, Doctor Gordon <laughs> are talking early early in the movie, and they're talking about this like this hot shot grad student is going to be coming in um, to to join their program um, and has all these ideas and things, and like Craig Watson is like really pushing back hard. Like, we don't need that. Like, that's going to mess up what we're doing. Like, what are they thinking? Sending this grad student here. Like, I want nothing to do with them. Uh, like, no interest in this. Like, I hate them already. <laughs> Within 15 seconds of him looking at Nancy, <laughs> completely changes his tone. He's like, uh, I am going to try to date you. <laughs> You're hot. <laughs> So now I'm very happy you're here. And it's such a total shift. Like, but like, 
also kind of feels accurate to, oh, I didn't know you were going to be a hot young woman. <laughs> oh, well, that totally changes things. <laughs> yeah. He, he, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll help you out with what you're trying to do. You need a good mentor. We should go to dinner. <laughs> you can just sit in on group therapy sessions that are should be private to these kids only. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 their, their dynamic is it's it's like watching paint dry because they're both very bland yeah. in this. and it's and i i uh i i like them both fine uh but it, they're, it, they're just they both seem to have a dry delivery and they both have dialogue together where it feels like they could have the dialogue as if it was supposed to be with nobody else there like it could also be a monologue and it wouldn't really matter if there was somebody else that was <laughs> that was reciprocating in the conversation that's the that's my i guess my criticism of them yeah, it's well, kind of shitty. And I mean, no, I don't want to uh, be too cruel here, but um, Heather Langenkamp at this point is not really up to playing someone who's supposed to kind of be a doctor. Of, <laughs> she yeah. just comes across as super young, um, inexperienced, and just it's not really believable. Um. And they, they really try to age her up and dress her up. And it's it feels like the movie's trying so hard to like um, make her. Now, you could say like that's something like young women go through um, when trying to enter a professional realm. So like that, I don't know, they could be like another layer to the movie there. But um, her performance is all very wooden and not great. Yeah. And then I always find Craig Wasson kind of as a... I think there's a reason like De Palma cast him in uh was it Body Double? <laughs> Body Double, yeah, yeah. Um because he's kind of a blank slate you can project onto as a generic everyman, <laughs> generic dude kind of guy. Yeah. Um and so he's not the most engaging <laughs> person either. Uh no, he's not. And I think to your point, body double that works really well because he's supposed to be a hapless sort of dopey guy uh here he's supposed to be kind of a leading man and it really doesn't yeah. come together very well um which Funny it, part is probably the best actor in this uh <laughs> i can say it come on Lawrence fishburne is uh like an orderly at the at the mental hospital and i love that they had his character he's like a good guy he like cares he about is. these kids and wants to help them and, like he's never like He's not, he doesn't get like fully ally on board with their stuff because he's like, man, this is crazy. Like, I, I don't know what has happened, but he cares about the kids and is trying to like help them like his best way. So many times that orderly position is like an evil, um, kind of evil role. And it was fun to see him, uh, just kind of being a, a lovable guy. Uh, <laughs> he's like working hard, trying his best. He, he's decent and he seems to be the only person in this hospital that is decent <laughs> everybody yeah. else well, yeah, uh, they have one other orderly who tries to tempt uh taryn with heroin again with heroin for sex it seems uh, uh yeah yeah so it's it's hard yeah it's hard to it's hard to gauge where the adults are also it's funny to me is lawrence fishburne seems to be there 24 7 i think yes. he, <laughs> if you told me he was like an imaginary character later on and because he just lives there and he's always in around when the kids are around i would believe that i would also believe that he's just a fiction like a <laughs> uh, oh, I like uh, that. yeah like an apparition of sorts yeah it was also it was kind of refreshing um 
that you have this, this black character who's kind of like a helper to the kids and but they never like I feel like five years earlier they would have had him have like supernatural dream powers and that's why he's been there and like whereas like he's just a guy working his job and like trying his best to help these kids uh yeah yeah I I I, I like him in this I wish they gave him a little bit more to do because he just sort of disappears in, in the third act yeah which is annoying um because they set him up as being somebody who, who to your point cares for the kids is going to have a, a more active role and I almost wonder if you didn't have Nancy back, if if that would be more of what what uh, Fishburne's role would be to, is to occupy some of that uh, that. Oh, like if they maybe say they say they couldn't get Heather Langenkamp back, if yeah, like, like a version of the script where they kind of yeah. helped that character a little bit of yeah, I can see that. And I think that I would have been probably more interested in that than maybe what we got. Though it does <laughs> what we get does lead us to uh john saxon so we, we can't be yes. too upset yeah so john saxon uh <laughs> is nancy's father so he's in like the first one and that but john saxon's also in um enter the dragon like a whole bunch of stuff uh, but when we watched these I don't know, a few years ago we were sending notes back and forth i had a, a semi-serious bit <laughs> of my my love and deep affection for john saxon so i was always delighted to see him (laughs) i uh and he he, he's really bringing it but i I think i think with without having nancy obviously there's probably no real reason to have him him back in this but uh yeah it it was an interesting it's an interesting cast it's funny that um sorry it's funny they just don't pay off that character at the end of it um, because he's there when pretty much all these kids die. So you'd think you would be more checked in. Like the one day he takes off is the one day that all of this goes down. <laughs> well, I mean, he's he's been working like day shift and night shift for like a month yeah. straight. So he probably needed the day off. I feel like uh, Craig Watson, not a great boss either. Um, <laughs> well, given that he, the one subordinate we... Well, I guess the orderly is a maybe subordinates, but the one female subordinate we see, he's trying to, he's desperately trying to fuck is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably seems, true. Uh, seems like he may, might might have some issues there. <laughs> probably true. Um, so you had some thoughts that uh, um, Neil Gordon and uh, Nancy they go out on on a date, <laughs> and you uh, you seem you seem to really enjoy that scene. I have, I would say. I uh, yep. I was I was just like I just want to talk about because there's such boring flat characters in this well they see they're presented that way and nancy always to your point about the way heather langenkamp plays nancy in this as not probably being up for being a doctor it does feel like she's just sort of reacting to things that are being almost like she's never seen the script and she's just kind of reacting in the moment to to dialogue and so there's never a lot of inflection or emotion in anything that's delivered from either of them. And it feels like they just told Watson to go sit down in this chair and we're going to film you trying to give exposition to, to Nancy. And that's, that's, that's the extent of it. But yeah, it looks like they go to like an olive garden or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And they're just eating. It looks like they're only eating the free bread. I don't think we ever see them actually. Actually. um, Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because their relationship cracks me up because I can't tell what the timeline of this movie is. 
because oh yeah I know. um well because they, they, multiple kids die yeah but it seems like it, it happens over like a two-day period <laughs> but then their relationship by the end of this seems fully formed and the the uh uh nancy and neil are like living together now or like they're <laughs> at each other's places they're like holding hands and like hugging each other in public it just seems like in like one day they're like oh we're going steady now we're gonna be like we're, we're full yeah, the timeline is bizarre because there's multiple funerals in this movie <laughs> yeah. and so it's like just thinking about like okay the timeline for like someone to die and there to be a funeral and then we're after the funeral like that that takes a little while um so it seems like because the whole like point in like the first two is like every night it's terrifying because when you fall asleep, Freddie is gonna try to get you. Yeah, but this seems like we have like weeks where like these kids are going to bed and are okay. Like Freddie's not able to get them, or like it's, it's like, well, what is that about? And, and then, then yeah, the relationship yeah. between uh, Nancy and Neil is just... on the same timeline of it seems like they've known each other three days. It also seems like they've been dating four months. <laughs> like, yeah, like it was almost like somebody who's not an adult wrote a script to present what they think adult relationships look like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is how adults date, and it's I don't know. It just it never it never fully lands for me. Um, uh, but I am I am happy for the payoff that it gets us back to to John Saxon. Which I'll tell you, the ending of this movie completely threw me through a loop. I, I I've seen this, and I kept thinking like. Oh yeah, like this happens, and that person, like this, like this person, like John Saxon, ends up being killed at the end, and that's like he does. Like I thought he made it. I thought he lived uh, all the way through these, but I guess it's yeah, because I he comes th- back in the in the what was what was the meta one? The sick new nightmare. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we talked about this in the nineties. They do this like meta Friday movie where it's. Heather Langenkamp, like John Saxon are in it, but they're playing Heather Langenkamp and John Saxon who yeah. are being like asked to be brought back for like a new nightmare sequel. And so it's like Freddie comes into like the real Hollywood worlds of, yeah. So it's a super meta, but like, so like those actors are back, even though like some of them have died in movies. And so, yeah, it gets, um, unless you're like really well versed in <laughs> these movies, I've watched them super recently you can get a little confused of where, where things fall out because of this weird meta one. They do, uh, they do several movies in. Yeah. And it, it, uh, it, it definitely got me on this one. I definitely forgot how the, uh, how, how the series, you know, was supposed to be played out, but um, no, I, I, they're just, their, their date just makes made me laugh because it just seems like the most boring, like, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, I I have nothing to say that's not like dirty and horrible to make fun of them. For well, <laughs> it, it feels like the date. It feels like it should be the date of a married couple who has yes. like three kids who hasn't gone on a date in like five years, and is like we kind of forget how to do this. That's exactly. That's exactly to, what it is. This is their first date. <laughs> like, and like they're gonna form a relationship. Like, you guys should be really engaged with each other. Uh, yeah, and and they don't ever seem like that interested in each other. This is right. If this is what, how the first date went, there should be no future of this relationship because you have zero chemistry. 
Well, spoiler alert, there isn't a future. <laughs> uh, Freddie kills Heather Langenkamp halfway through at the, at the end of the movie. So, yeah, their their dynamic just they they just seem so. It, if I had to think of two people who just together would be what I would describe as vanilla, that's those yeah. two. They well, seem then there's like, like a ten year age difference as well, so that also yeah with their relationship element to it it feels like a cialis commercial like they just sort of it just it's scenes of them walking around scenic areas or having nice dinners and there's no substance there's nothing coming from either of them (laughs) so like the only bonding we see is over these like these elm street murders yeah (laughs) Yeah, what's happening and (laughs) which speaking of bonding i i think um uh one of the better kills in this and we should we should talk about that uh, is uh one of the t- t- uh, the camera name i think her name is jennifer um she she insists that she doesn't want to go to bed because she's trying to stay at this point everybody's acknowledged they're having nightmares related to freddie and so she feels like she doesn't want to go to sleep and so she wants to stay in there like their rec room and watch tv and uh so she falls asleep in there and freddie sort of forms himself out of the tv which is kind of cool like like he he his head pops out at the top it's sort of that same matt gray is the frame of the television and his arms reach down and grab jennifer and smash her head into the tv screening and i guess kill her through electrocution or through uh, i don't know what exactly uh, what, what part of smashed into a tv screen <laughs> yeah you know maybe head trauma i want one of the two and uh, I, it's not funny. It's a cool effect. And so, so Lawrence Fishburne finds uh, Max finds Jennifer's body just suspended by this TV. Well, it makes me laugh because later in the movie, when the kids are getting like restless and they're they're trying to sort of rebel against what's going on, uh, they're like, "All right, we're just gonna lock all these kids in a room." And so where do they put them? They put them in the same fucking room their fridges died in like the day before. And so it's like the exact same room, except no TV and these horrible scorch marks all over the wall yeah. from where like, it blew up. And the, fun, like, the whole point is you guys are getting too worked up and too upset right. and like you're talking this nonsense. Like, so we're going to put you in the murder room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't understand the uh, uh, the intent there, but hey, um, there it made me laugh. So I, I appreciate that. But yeah. So if you're coming to this movie for the Freddy kills. I do think this is one of the the best ones. Yeah. Um, so I so my favorite is and I, I mean I think the movie's aware of this because you see it on like the poster and stuff of this one kid Freddie like pulls his tendons and like ligaments out of his body and is using him like playing him like a marionette and makes him like walk in his sleep basically to the top of this like tower at the hospital and like then he like severs the cut so he falls to his death so they blame it as like a suicide um but the the body effects are incredible of the like severed body marionettes uh that freddie's controlling and um it's a really effective terrifying death because this kid has like no control over his body and it works well in the movie because they blame it. Oh, this kid is in a mental hospital and killed himself. Like tragic, but like, like you know, no, no, no weird supernatural dream nope. murderers here. Um, and so it, <laughs> uh, so it works for like early. So it's a good creative kill, but works within the world of 
oh, like no one would chalk this up to anything um, other than that. So that that's probably my favorite. I, uh, marionette puppet. I'm trying to think if I, 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 you know what? I'm actually going to have to agree because the, the rest of them take place uh, in the dream sequences and they're not that good. I, I are not not that they're not that good, but I think that one is the most creative and most interesting visually compared to yeah. when the dream warriors go into the dream to save Joey at the end. And it's it's then it just looks like you're more of like a, in a fun house. This one's a lot more like gripping, terrifying stuff like that, that. That seems like a true nightmare. I'm trying to think, did that kid. The kid who who commits suicide, did he have the ability to walk? Because there's one kid that's in the wheelchairs. Did another one have crutches yeah. maybe? Or am I thinking there was some there was some tie in with him and the the ray of in the and the the veins and why why Freddie was using his tendons and stuff to yeah but he must they would have commented on that like that would be weird that he get to the top of this tower to kill himself um uh yeah probably probably doesn't completely work but um, yeah that's what I was trying to think was there's got to be I can't remember what the tie in was yeah yeah I forget you're right though. There had um, I'm blanking on that as well. Um, I don't think I have it in my notes either, other than really, really enjoying it, and it's and the effects are really well done. Um, oh, oh, I know what it was. Uh, Philip was a habitual sleepwalker. That's what. Oh, it was. that's right. So they that's think right. he's sleepwalking, and because yes. because nobody else can see that what Freddie's doing to him. So that's that was the 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 trick that he pulls is he basically drags him up to the to the roof and kills him. Okay, and it's Joey is the one who uh, doesn't talk. Yeah, what, what right, is which, it? I, I'm I'm using Wikipedia now. To <laughs> which also is weird that they also have like dream powers that kind of corresponds to some of their weaknesses in the real world. So like he's got like a power magic voice or something in the dreams. I don't know. It's weird. Uh, but <laughs> his what he goes through uh, to me as like I, for a teenage audience kind of seems the most messed up. Uh, um, yes. So Go he's having a dream, and it's basically like a hairband '80s uh, '80s group music video, where he's like in a bed, and like a sexy nurse comes in and starts like <laughs> t- taking her top off, and, like making out with him. But it's like, oh, this could be like a white snake video. <laughs> but then, as I think you can predictably, um, all of a sudden it turns into like Freddy Krueger, and that's who he's like making out with. And I was like. I, I, like that would be horrifying. Like as a teenager, if that's your first kind of like sexual experience, like man, that'd be tough to come back from. Um, yeah, and he's leaning in on. They're leaning in on the whole. Oh, I knew you liked me, Billy or Joey, and yeah. I, I like you too. So like, let's get together. And then she's. It's weird too because they do mix in nudity with all of that, and then turn it into Freddie. So it, it is like this. I I'd forgotten about that part too, and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. This yeah, is and it's like a classic horror of like, oh, you're turned on, and now you're horrified, and like merging yeah. those two weird. But I feel like here it's played it, it's played for a lot more legitimate scares than than a night uh, uh Friday the Thirteenth or Halloween would be. Um, yeah, it, it's just it's pretty. Oh, it's brutal in this. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. oh man, this poor kid, because like. <laughs> You can tell well, obviously he's been through a lot of trauma. It's like this, like even if this is just a dream, it's still a pretty incredible dream. And then just to have like the rug pulled out from you, it's like now yeah, it's the most horrible experience of your life. <laughs> yeah, and his his I feel bad for because he his his it ends up getting way worse because he ends up uh, 
uh, he goes into a basically what's a basically a coma, and while he's in a coma, and he's trapped by Freddy. They're talking to him, and then Freddy starts etching uh, uh, things into into Joey's chest. That just says, "Come and get him, bitch." (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, I think, and so I'm curious. Do you think Joey has those scars after? After this that's is all a, over, that's a great question for of what we've talked about with the movie of like what the logic is. It seems like sometimes those things carry over into the real world as like permanent, and it yeah. seems like sometimes they heal in the real world and are only like semi dream permanent or something. So, so yeah, I, I kind of uh, I'd like to think that that he he does not have to go through the rest of his life with <laughs> this with the word bitch written on his chest. Let's talk about another obstacle to uh, like physical intimacy. <laughs> like every time you take your shirt off, it's like. So I gotta explain something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One time I was captured by a mythical dream dream murderer, and uh, he carved something in my chest. But don't be afraid. <laughs> yeah, don't get freaked out. <laughs> so yeah, I had a note. Uh, how how bummed would you be to realize you've been French kissing Freddy Krueger? <laughs> yeah, and then of course they do the thing where like Freddy like grabs his tongue yeah. and is like pulling it out and it's like um which tongue effects like that in movies never quite work for me no it always because looks it looks yeah it always it always looks kind of silly and goofy <laughs> <But>. <laughs> well so that that's you know because we're kind of talking about it but that's that's what brings us to the third act is um uh and i i i, I want to talk about it just because he's probably my favorite character in this is uh um Nancy's dad. Uh, I, I can't remember exactly. <laughs> Somehow they figure out like Craig Watson, and it's weird because I never understand where they start dovetailing in the Christian uh, imagery and, and and thought process around defeating Freddy. But uh, it's well, and also like, the nun is like a ghost as well. Yeah, it's Freddy's mom. So it's like they doubly make it weird. Like they had like yeah. another layer of bizarreness to the whole. Yeah, thing. and only Craig Watson can see her, which is strange. Like, uh, because they're at a funeral, um, <laughs> one of many in this movie, and uh, at the funeral he's talk he's basically talking to himself, and then Nancy comes over. And he's like, "Who are you talking to?" He's like, "Oh, I was talking to that nun over there." And then, oh, re- nice reveal that there's nothing there. Nothing. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's I don't, I don't understand. I can't remember how they figure it out, but it was something like, "Well, Freddie has to have a, a true burial before he can be defeated," and I'm like. Yeah. I never understand the stakes of so they have to go get his bones, uh, and and actually bury them in the ground, uh, which <laughs> like a true Christian burial. Like, yeah, it's something like that. They come back for some reason, <laughs> and so they go and they have to find Nancy's dad, uh, who who was in the first one. He was a detective in the first one, and um, uh, it looks like he's just got he's developed some more, sort of. Well, they go to a bar. <laughs> and it looks a lot like the the bar that's in that uh, Jan Chalice is, you think Jan Chalice is there in the background I, w- I wish it was the same bar I wish Dan Chalice was just hanging out in the back I actually looked it up to see if it was the same bar it wasn't but <laughs> it's uh uh it looks like the same place where I just drunk uh middle-aged men like to hang out because yeah. they got nothing literally nothing better to do with their time it feels like a, a... <laughs> I, I I also like to imagine it's the same bar, and I also like to imagine that uh, Dan Chalice and uh, Lieutenant Thompson and Nancy's dad have heard each other's life story 
on like five different occasions while they're both hammered and have no memory of each other. Don't know <laughs> first five names. like separate occurrences have been like best friends for a night. <laughs> it's probably true. I think uh uh you think well I guess if Dan Chalice survives Halloween three, so in theory if it's all in the same world, like he's drinking his he's drinking his misery away through uh all the kids he didn't save. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So <laughs> But I do like that you get John Saxton back, and then uh, he's got some little shitty like Mitsubishi like like pickup truck that he drives him around. <laughs> I don't know why like, his whole character just is just interesting and and funny to me. I just I really like him in this, and uh, um, it bums me out because at the end there's this big f- fight with uh, Freddy's skeleton yeah. between Craig Watson and uh, John Saxton, and I think the the skeleton throws him into like, well, they go to, they have to go to a, a, a what do you call it? A junkyard because yeah, that's what uh, John Saxon has to go uh, find the car where they, they hid Freddie's bones, which I'm like, what is like the, when they burned him, like when the parents killed and burned him, like what, did, what was that whole process? If he's just literally just bones now, like wh- what did they do? Like, did they just watch him burn all the way down to the bone, and then they they scooped him up and dumped him in the in this? Yeah, because they had to dispose of him. So yeah, they, I guess they just watched him burn. I guess that's I guess that explains why he's pretty pissed off. Fair. The mom kept the glove though. That's the weird part. Was she kept his glove, his razor glove, in uh, in their furnace in the first one? <laughs> that's right. They yeah, went to all this trouble to dispose of the body, but the glove. Yeah, like, <laughs> you gotta keep it. And. and I can't remember if they kept the hat too, but but yeah, it's a it's a weird. all about it. It's a, oh, oh, either there you are. Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I I I just I love the the absolute absurdity of, of of like the rules we get to now of like what they have to do to defeat him. And what's funny to me is uh, it's after they build the stakes that they send all the dream warriors in to go get Joey and the dream warriors are now it's Kincaid, Taryn, uh, Kristen. And, um, who's the kid in the wheelchair? Who becomes uh, the wizard? The wizard. <laughs> I can't who is. is that will? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's it. I, I was like, I, I had notes on, it. I just forgot to go back and, and take a look at him. Um, uh, I, I do, I do enjoy, uh, the uh, wizard master that's what it is yeah <laughs> um and i i do enjoy that the kids can kind of it's almost like a video game like they get into this room like this lobby before they get into the, this dream <laughs> and they <laughs> and it's like all right you pick your powers and it's like all right yeah. what's your power gonna be and taryn's like I'm gonna have cool hair and knives, and and then like no, it's exactly like the Roblox games my kids play, where you get to wait for like a minute, but everyone's just like jumping around doing stupid stuff that they can't really do anything while they're waiting for. The- yeah, it's it's it reminded me of um the real uh, game to live. <laughs> That's fantastic. What is it? Uh, Fortnite. Yeah, where like people are just dicking around. You're just like, all right, well, the game yeah. has we got 30 seconds yeah. on the clock until the game yeah. starts. So everyone's just like firing shit at each other. And yeah. Kincaid is the only person who's smart in this. Like he's the only person who they're like they realize like, hey, what's our what is our ability here? Oh, we can pick our own abilities. 
great. I'm going to just be super, super strong. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, why isn't everybody just picking something like that? I don't understand. It's weird how, how they, they uh, set the rules and then break them immediately. Right. What got me in this this time was, I was like, this is almost it's almost like Neo in the Matrix. Like, like you can't yes. use it. Like, it Once you acknowledge like that you it's not real. Do, yeah. Right. It feels like then you should be able to do anything. And I get like, so um, I, I don't know if you've watched any uh, Amazon is doing a show of it, but there's a book series called The Wheel of Time. Not yet. No. Um, um, and I've, I've read the book, there's like 14 books or something. Uh, but in it, there's like this dream world where like people can people can enter and they do like battles in there. And it's all about how well so it's something that works well in a book and like i was like yeah this is gonna be bad, bad <laughs> when they get to in the show probably because it's all like kind of needs to be written out on the page because it's all your ability how well you can believe you're like in these things being true and so i kind of brought that a little bit to this of like and and so it's like oh is freddie just is this more powerful here and used to this because he does it so much and can believe just about anything he wants and these people are new and inexperienced so once they get scared they kind of lose their powers as they get but yeah it's like it's very strange like how like it seems like you make yourself super strong but unlimitedly super strong yeah if you wanted to like yeah i i think it's what you said just now which is i think it's implied that as as you reintroduce fear your powers diminish in this in this realm and and it's uh because it, it is funny because it's, it's like they all get powers and they're like oh all right i got cool powers now yeah. i'm gonna be a wizard i'm gonna be a badass i'm gonna you know break stuff with my hands and it's like right. they get scared so, once and it immediately falls apart <laughs> everything falls apart so what would you say taryn's power is <laughs> going to a scop ska show i don't know if that's a power <laughs> she just becomes like yeah like leatherbound punk kind of mohawk it's it really seems her power is maybe just like actually having confidence in herself <laughs> it's, like, oh, it's kind of like really sad it's like i can be like i just can be who i want to be like in like at best she got back to zero for for her her own normal self-confidence but, but yeah and it's almost like oh i can be someone who says no to drugs <laughs> like uh, yeah yeah like, but like it's that, that's what hers hers is probably the one that bums me out the most um because yeah. I, I don't I, she, she actually has a decent fight with freddie where she cuts him and she's successful and actually you know beating him up a little bit but then his his way to kill her is he just injects her with his hand like it becomes a bunch of yeah. hypodermic needles and it's like oh sorry can't outrun addiction this turns out it's way worse than you thought it's just yeah. i don't know man just really dark for what they lean in on for for dispatching yeah yeah and also it it, it starts like for this franchise like I, I like him in this movie but i think it, it weakens the later movies because it really makes it easy to make these characters like one-dimensional uh, yeah. like you're totally defined by this one trait um yeah and like they do okay in this in this one of kind of and i think some of it is like the actors are pretty good the performances are good um, the group has a solid dynamic interrelating together, so you kind of get a little more grounding in the person. But it is like a little bit like, oh, like you're just defining this person as an addict, and that's all they, <laughs> all they are. Yeah, um, 
Everybody's everybody's beholden to whatever Freddy they're who's doing that. And maybe Freddy's the problem. I think I'm, I think Freddy's 100% the problem because the next character who gets gets knocked off is uh Will who's in a wheelchair and he he I guess he's like a D&D I I, I I feel like this is like the beginning of D&D nerd uh uh stigma because he he turns himself into a wizard, which to that end he should in theory have unlimited powers and abilities. Yeah, <clears throat> but then he is immediately defeated when Freddy knocks him out of his wheelchair and then turns his wheelchair into a like a like a motorized death trap that's going to try to kill him. <laughs> it's just it's so I guess it's like Freddy using your real world weakness against you because that's going to weaken you here. Um. So it kind of works. But yeah, I also had a problem. I was like, oh, you've made yourself this badass wizard who immediately is defeated. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah. I, I, well, and he gives himself the ability to walk because he's in his dreams, which is kind of cool. So, like, okay, cool. Like, yeah. he, he's kind of overcome his, his, his real world issue. But then immediately he is just like gutted by Freddy. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, never mind. It's, it's, I, I that's what I don't like is, the the ending they, it feels like they're dispatching kids so fast because they they've just got to move the plot along at this point so you don't really understand you still don't understand the stakes because they show you again getting kind of armed up and equipped to go fight freddy but then they're all immediately beaten yeah like, there, there's just no the, challenge like, oh like yeah it actually needed that scene like earlier 30 maybe. minutes earlier yeah and then you're going and it's like a real battle. But then also probably that's maybe too long to think about these powers. And like, well, then isn't everyone like impossible to defeat? Because yeah, we can all just be like, well, it's not real. And um, so you had a, a fun question in your notes of what <laughs> X-Men powers would you pick to have <laughs> in this dream world? Uh, I, I did I? Had, I, 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 I totally forgot an answer. Yeah, uh, I will come up with one. Well, you go first. So is it, is it Colossus who can turn his skin metal? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's what that's what I was going with because it seems like against Freddy, just like metal skin. It seems like a real simple thing of like I have metal skin, so no matter what, Freddy can't like stab me. What if he turned uh, his hands into can openers? Right. I was say, he's probably <laughs> going to find some, like giant magnet or something that like crushes yeah. you or like, but. <laughs> Um, I would probably go with Cyclops because he's got cool sunglasses and we're in the dream world. So I want some cool sunglasses for the dream world. But then you've at least got like a weapon. You can actually fight against him. Not bad. Uh, not bad. Uh, yeah, then, I, but I, I feel like he would probably tear my eyes out or something. It would probably be so horrible. So the Wolverine seems like potentially the worst because yes. he can then just torture you forever forever that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what i was thinking too it was like you you yeah. survive every horrible thing he does to you but you feel all of it which and is... then i was like i don't think i want uh any anything where i have like telepathy I, no no interest in being inside freddy's head <laughs> that sounds like a bad place no there's at least 100 maniacs floating around <laughs> yeah, inside. <laughs> yeah no, i uh i i i i agree with you it again the the ending for me was a bit of a letdown because it's called the dream warriors but what they don't know is what craig Watson and john saxon are up to outside of the dreams uh and craig mm. Watson's trying to run it down run, like run down and, and sort of figure out how to fix all this so they have two different ideas of how they're going to do this one is they're going to go in and defeat freddie in the dreams 
because it's the Dream Warriors, which makes sense. But then there's a whole separate plot going on at the same time with Lawson and uh, Saxon trying to run down and uh, the bones of Freddy and give him a burial. And that was one thing I think they, I feel like they messed up on was the whole premise is around these Dream Warriors, and then it comes down to Craig Lawson kind of not completely fucking it up to <laughs> to uh defeat ultimately defeat freddy like they, what, what 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 defeats him is this burial thing uh yeah. at the end which is kind of i don't know i thought that was that was lame i didn't like that <laughs> sorry i just remembering uh Gene. the scene where craig Watson goes to get the holy water <laughs> yeah what does he leave he leaves them he something takes- so he takes, I believe he takes like the empty like bottle or flask from like John Saxon that he's yes. been drinking and just scoops uh, uh, fill up with holy water. And a priest, like, he's like, What are you doing? Um, because he oh, he takes like a cross off the wall as well, yeah, <laughs> a crucifix or something. The priest's like, Oh, what are you doing? You can't just steal stuff. And he gives him his license and he's like, Here's my license, don't worry, I'll bring it back. <laughs> I gotta go defeat an evil child predator, yeah, <laughs> undead child predator. Um. Yeah this this is such a an a, a, a product of a time where I don't know what the stats are, but re- religion was such a more prominent thing, and I don't know why, but it was just like that was an answer a lot of times for how you defeat evil and and yeah you know it's here it, it just I don't think you need it I don't think it gets you anywhere I think uh, it's it's a it's a weird MacGuffin. For, for Saxon and Watson to go chase down. Well, and to your point, it's called Dream Warriors. Like it'd be much more satisfying if the heroes these won. kids <laughs> who have been tortured, yeah, are the heroes, not Craig Watson. Like yeah, not some some psychologist or something like that. Right. And a, and a yeah, drunk like, a drunk dad. Like I get why for the movie they ended up at that point because you felt you followed Craig Watson so much. He's been invested in this and like should be doing something to help. Yeah. Um, but so I'd almost, I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess I don't know why he lives at the end. It seems like he should die. I, I, I tend and then to you agree. take, you take the one adult who believes the kids out and then it, th- that's the dispatch fear. him. So then yeah. like they have even less, they're really on their own. Yeah. I, um, uh, well, yeah, I think you just pretty much rewrote this movie in a way that would have worked a hell of a lot better than what they did. Um, yeah. So, what did you think of the the Jason and the Argonauts level uh, skeleton Freddy? <laughs> uh, to fight them? I kind of love it because I do too. <laughs> I, I love effects like that. Um, like, yeah, you see the seams of it. It's not great. It's a little cheesy looking. Um, but I think a million times. I find that way more interesting than if that was like CG or um Yeah. I saw that it's just like, oh like I'm fascinated by like the skill which is interesting because the skill and artistry to do that, like to do like this a CG skeleton still requires skill and artistry. And I, I'm just I'm not sure if it's just an age thing, why the CG skill and artistry interests me so much less than having to do a practical um i think it's a little bit of the magic trick of anything is possible in cgi like you can make you can make and design and really do anything you want in a computer to physically pull it off i think there's from a practical standpoint there's something uh the capability is it feels like more of an art perhaps 
uh, even if it's not or it's the same right you know it just feels it's more impressive to me that somebody had to physically design figure out like how to shoot and integrate all that stuff together um yeah. you know using different media sources i, I think I, I i agree with you I, I i think it's it's more interesting even if it looks a little cheesy i i still i still like it better but um yeah so uh evil skeleton uh kills john saxon uh, again i thought he lived <laughs> i was totally confused by that made me sad um, and uh at the same time so then freddie uses john saxon dying in the real world uh to trick heather langenkamp into or nancy into thinking her dad's in the dream with him too which she should have known better like of all the people in this she yeah, should have been smarter nancy. this isn't your first rodeo uh, apparently it is so <laughs> Freddy ends up uh, killing Nancy, um, which is a little surprised. I was kind of surprised they killed kill her off. Um, yeah, it's interesting to bring her back. It seemed uh, a perfect it, to have her kind of be like training dream warriors as like a trope yeah. of these movies or something. Yeah, I would say the movies really fall off after this because I, I I was reading. I didn't realize this, but <clears throat> Wes Craven did the first one and then didn't do anything on part two and then they brought him back for part three because part two was a critical failure and i i'm I'm wondering if i i haven't looked it up but i wouldn't be surprised if after part three like like craven is only really attached to it in in name as a producer and just getting and just getting checks because i'd have to think like that they they it's weird because in this one they kill off nancy so i could kind of see all right they're wrapping up that that plot line from the first one and they're concluding that story. But then you go to part four and part four, they kill off Kristen. They introduce her as being this big character in, in part three who has these special powers. And then they immediately kill her in, in part four. But, you know, so I don't know. I, I'm just, I wonder if uh, it was Wes Craven trying to do something intelligent and, and smart with the moving the whole series in a different direction. And then uh, uh, Rennie Harlan or whoever uh, undoes all of that in the next one. Yeah, so on four, Wes Craven has the writing credit is just character. That okay, so yeah, story he's not, screenplay he's not is doing anything. Story and screenplay by five other people. <laughs> Ooh, that 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 would make some sense. That that's where I think they have the most elaborate kills. Is part four. I think that's the one where the girl's like working out, and then Freddie breaks off her arms, and then she becomes a roach or something. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, they really they really good. Oh, like this is. This is what audiences are coming for, like these creative set piece kills. Yes, exactly. They they lean in pretty hard on on all of that, and uh, then in I think five is when it starts to get really. There's one. There's a couple in there, like whatever the one is with uh, Yafet Koto. That's what I oh, remember. Yeah, 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 that was horrible. really absolutely horrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they really lean in on dream kids and dream dream and stuff <laughs> yeah, it's just not uh, not uh not not always that good so <laughs> um what was your favorite well you already said it. your favorite kill was the 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 yeah, Mar- marionette Mar- yeah I think, I think that's pretty good i uh i yeah more i think about i i i, I have to i just have to agree with you I, I can't think of a better one but um 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 it is pretty good at the end where uh Nancy turns Freddy's hand against him. Uh, yeah, I like that too. And impales him on a, yeah. But it doesn't. Does it do anything to him? Like technically speaking, I don't it... know. <laughs> 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 the 
this is where sometimes I'm moving, I get a little frustrated. I'm like, all right, well, what does that mean? <laughs> well, and that's what, uh, yeah, I keep, I keep saying the same thing over and over again. That's what I don't like is the idea that you never really know what anything means or if it matters. It's yeah, this just the, a tough. It's a, when anytime you do dream stuff, that's always a fine line to walk of. Yeah. If, well, if it's the dream, did it matter? Was it real? What is it? What? Yeah. And then, yeah, then the stakes get a little weird. Um, we did. So I think the strength of this movie are these kids, the characters. Yeah. Cause you do care about them and like them. And that carries it a long way of kind of not worrying about what this logic is of these things. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which I, <laughs> I think my favorite dream moment might be, uh, when Kincaid, uh, does the Kool-Aid man burst in through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, when you're strong, you got to use it. That's yeah. No, I guess that is the thing. It's like they have no way for him to demonstrate his power other than he's. What is he wearing? Because he he's wearing like a crazy outfit. It it, it is a little odd. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I don't even think I could describe it. <laughs> I'm gonna. I gotta. I gotta look it up. But I. I, yeah, I it, was like, I it was like suspenders. A good photo of him. To, yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's wearing. He's wearing a red, like muscle tee. And like tank top with with like full suspenders, which is hilarious. So, um, uh, and then there's a picture. I found a picture of him on Twitter of of just him right after he busted through the wall. So nice. Uh, I love it. So he does kind of have like a hey Kool Aid moment where he just like destroys the wall. But for for but that's like the only show of power I believe in, in by him in this. So 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 talking about this. I, I think we're I think we sound a little probably more down on this movie than I think we actually are um, overall. But I'm going to say that might be, I think, for both of us, maybe not the biggest uh, Nightmare on Elm Street fans of, yeah, fran- of our franchise. That's a, that's a good description that uh, compared to ha- Halloween and Friday the 13th, particularly. Yeah, yeah I, I, um, I, I agree. I, I think this is well done. And again, it it did really well at the box office. So I think to your what you said earlier, people were just looking for something new around this time. Yeah. And uh, the next one, uh, what's it called? Uh, the Dream Master, which is basically a continuation of these same characters, came out the year after this. That does fifty million a year later. Jeez. And so they were on a and, it, and I think it's yeah. kind of the movie that helped launch Rennie Harlan's career. I think because it did well, people looked at it and said, "Okay, you know, he, he's a competent director," uh, and and he got you know more work by it. But it falls off pretty hard after that. I think where I struggle with it is um, the not having, not ever knowing what the stakes are of, of Freddy. It it was just it was the idea of you know somebody being in your dreams is scary, but if you don't really know the stakes within the movie for the characters. You know, you don't, I don't know, you, you, it's hard to get fully engaged for me. Like, there's never a level playing field, and you never know, you never know how, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not describing very well, other than just, no, you, you I never know quite, quite where it's going to land. It's a concept when it, it's a cool it concept. It's great in the first movie. Yes, it's, it's a very it's cool kind concept. of, but it, it's kind of a one concept movie because once you start going into the dreams, 
Yeah, you have to try and explain the logic. It just gets yeah, really impossible to explain anything. And so then it gets hard. And that's, I mean, I mean, why it ran of this, like, a creative slasher that's, like, you know, a nice, a little bit different than just a, a guy with a machete or, or butcher's knife um, chasing teens. Like, you can go into the dreams and make, like, really crazy, elaborate, uh, crazy stuff happen. So visually... Um, can be really up there like special effects wise and it's interesting yeah these movies even even freddy freddy part i think it's part six uh or no yeah it's freddy part six uh freddy's dead the final nightmare even that did 35 million dollars yeah well i think that's i mean i think the uh hollywood said it was like the new line was like kind of the house that freddy built yes Um, you're right that kind of the massive box office, I mean, relatively speaking, but the massive box office compared to the budget for these just kind of fueled them as a, as a company for a long time. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And I think um, what's funny is you finally see it slow down in the mid nineties with the new nightmare, which was the meta one. And it's interesting that that's, that comes out 10 years after the first one, they've done seven or eight of these things now. And, uh, it's finally where the, the, the their box office is starting to actually land back at what they they you were seeing from Friday the 13th and, and, and Halloween. Um, yeah. But then right after this, you know, two years after this, I think Wes Craven does Scream and he leans into the whole meta thing and and uh, kind of revitalizes the whole genre. It's interesting. Yeah, that, like that, that um, metal one is kind of important in horror movies. So it kind of pointed a direction to go yeah. even though i don't think that one fully works of but kind of set the stage for the next uh kind of slasher wave yeah and it, well you, we were talking about before we we started recording like you watched scream 2 with with your, one of your kids and uh um i don't know scream to me was i, I the, the whole I, to me personally just the whole a human person that you have to deal with that's dangerous is scarier to me than some of the later nightmare movies because you just again you don't you don't know the rules and then you know and scream you're dealing with somebody who's obsessed with these movies and, and that's that's their motivation for well part of their motivation for yeah killing so, people i'm curious how how would you describe this is gonna be seem weird how would you describe your dreams of yourself as like a dreamer um none of the nightmare stuff they present here is something i've ever had like nightmares about if that um, makes any sense. Like I've never had like torture porn level like, yeah. saw, saw five type, you know, dreams. Um, yeah, it's, I, I don't, I'm not, I guess not that vivid of a dreamer or like, I don't remember my dreams very much. And so I think there's something about that. That also creates like kind of a disconnect for me. I was like, I wonder if someone was like, if you're a really intense dreamer, if this would hit home a little more, um, was like for me, like dreams are almost always like not remembered at all or forgotten within like a few minutes of waking up or like with like a few rare exceptions on things of uh, that. So I think the dream stuff is never that terrifying to me because it doesn't feel, I don't know, it doesn't feel like a dangerous place to me. Yeah, same. I think most of my dreams revolve around like embarrassing stuff it's like <laughs> humiliation it's not it's like if freddie was giving me a dream where i 
you know shit my pants in public i feel like yeah. that would be like way more terrifying to me like what they're presenting here <laughs> there yeah 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 that's that's most of what i remember my dreams as is um i i have had multiple times that showing up naked on the last day of school <laughs> to take a final like <laughs> like uh it was i think when i was taking my i was doing my mba i i definitely had nightmares of like thinking i'm done and then like a year after i'm thinking i'm done somebody comes back and they're like no you didn't finish you still have like <laughs> the test is today you got to take it today and you got to like you got to finish this otherwise there's no way you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna graduate <laughs> just like so i guess my my dreams that i do remember are nightmares are are are, are lame they're <laughs> they're 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 um are more practical fears to yeah they're, they're like adult like true adult yeah. fear <laughs> like insolvency or uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah uh you know missing an important appointment <laughs> so freddie is like an, an irs agent auditing <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah stuff like that i do remember as a kid having pay your taxes bitch yeah you pay your taxes you didn't take the child care credit too bad fucker <laughs> um uh i do remember having like night terrors as a kid of like and they were like it was always Jason or, or Michael Myers. It was never Freddie though. Yeah, that form was always a little more like what fueled my nightmare fears a little more was that kind of big yeah. hulking figure of something like yeah. And mine was the inability to just I mean which is probably normal inability to escape them like they just keep coming and coming and coming. Yeah, I guess the other thing is Freddie too. It does feel like eventually you'll fall asleep and he'll get you, but like. You do have like a respite, like you can wake up and like be awake for yeah for a while, where like he can no longer get you. So it does feel like there is an avenue of escape from him. Like he eventually will get you, but like but for a you, time yeah. you can yeah you can try you can avoid him or I don't know yeah. or they can wake you up. Somebody can wake you up. Yeah, which is which is all like again to your point why part one works so well and um why yeah and this ever this they do capture of like people trying to stay awake but like there's so much going on in this you don't quite get it as much as you do in one and two where it's a literal you know like the person so desperately and they're becoming unhinged because they've not slept and then becoming like oh like, i'm starting like am i hallucinating in the real world because i haven't slept and like how terrifying that would be whereas this is so many characters and so much going on um you don't quite get the drawn out sequences no there's just a lot that. of coffee drinking like that's that's like your <laughs> your cue is people to drink coffee a lot <laughs> so um well i, I tell you this is i'm gonna tie another tangent uh i it was funny i was looking at the the series for freddy and uh we talked about it goes up to the meta one in, in 94 and then it, it's dormant for almost a decade until they get to 2003's freddy versus jason yeah. which we went to go see i think 20 years ago last month yeah. <laughs> uh and i really want to go back and look at the mythology or the mythology around jason and freddy and that like what what are they carrying you know, what are they carrying forward at that point versus like what are they abandoning for 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 ideas because that one oh god that's a wild movie it, it's all about having dream clinics too i remember that that like there are these dream clinics that uh are near crystal lake i think <laughs> that, that, 
is like how they manage and deal with Freddy. So I I, I do kind of want to go back and rewatch that, even though I know it's a complete pile of shit. Um, and that's all right. It's pretty fun at times. You got its moments. We did a box office of 116 million, and we're we're proud to say we did contribute. We, we to contributed to a small <laughs> small piece of that. So nothing like doing underage drinking and going to see crazy movie. <laughs> yes. So, uh, cool. Uh, what would you rate? Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Uh, let me see. What did I actually give it in my notes? I'll go first if you'd like. I uh, I gave this three Craig Wassons out of five John Saxons. <laughs> <laughs> Very similarly, I was three out of five drunk John Saxons. Drunk John Saxons. There you go. But uh, we uh, we did leave an important important piece out. Uh, Uh-oh. Did we? With that. Well... So have you ever, do you ever have moments in life where it might be like a sporting event or like a game that's coming up or the success of how well like a movie might or might not do where you are just so confident that you like, I a hundred percent know what's going to happen. And then you do turn out to be right and be like, yeah, like I, my experience of living in the world, I like subconsciously has led me to see something of like I saw through the matrix and I knew this had to be true. That is how the world <laughs> works. Oh, <laughs> oh, what's going on? So, uh, when uh, looking for an actor in these movies, who was in star Trek, <laughs> I, forgot I, about that. I often have to like dig pretty deep or like I'm exploring something or curious just because, especially when we get into like eighties, early 90s ones there's like so much star trek going on um where it's like any work like any movie has like with working actors is gonna have someone who ended up on like star trek um this one however i i was like i do not need to do any research i know with 100 percent certainty the trajectory of craig craig wasson's career oh, okay yeah <laughs> he had to have been on an episode of star trek in yeah. the mid to late 90s because yeah. That's just exactly the caliber of person they would be getting for one episode. Uh, was he on like he had Deep Space some, Six or uh, Deep Space Nine? He was on one episode yeah. of Deep Space Nine in like 1996 or something, like season four. Of, uh, and I was like, yeah, I don't need to do anything else. I know he would have been on one because like Body Double was what, like 92? No, no, Body Double is like 84. 84. Is it? So yeah. before this? So what am yeah, I thinking I, of with him that was... Here, I'm, I'm going to pull up uh, Craig Watson. Pull up his, his IMDb. IMDb. Yeah. Oh, anyway, but... um, You keep going. So was well, was he like a prominent character or was he just like a... He, he seems um, like he's he was... in one episode as like, a, yeah, as a... Um, as like, kind like of a, like the guest star. <laughs> he seems like he would be sort of a prudish captain. Yeah, Body Devil's 84. So what am I... I'm thinking of something else. But anyway, my point is He's been in some like big stuff where like oh people would kind of recognize and know him, but is he becoming like less and less of feature length movies that he's definitely moving into like TV, and um, so it's exactly yeah he had to be on Star Trek and sure, Walker yeah. Texas Ranger. It looks like he's not working anymore, at least as an actor, because I don't I don't see anything for him past uh, um. 19 or sorry 2006 but all right i'm trying to think of like what you would have caught him on 
he was in a movie in 1999 called The Pornographer. <laughs> uh, let me see. Um, he was in Dr. Quinn. Yeah, he Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. I feel like if you're on that, you're probably also on Star Trek in the, in the early 90s, right? Yeah, he's got a nice run of like the 90s TV shows where like Murder, She Wrote, uh, Kung Fu, uh, Diagnosis Murder, like just... <laughs> I would actually Touched by an angel, Walker, Texas Ranger, like um, the the practice. The biggest, I would say, named role he's in probably is Dream Warriors. Uh, you know, after after Body Double, um, because when I look at uh, he's in Malcolm X, but his his role in Malcolm X is just TV host. So it's like okay, he's not even a named yeah. character really. So yeah, I he, yeah, I interesting. I I I'm. I I enjoy him. I also see he is not like a leading man. Um, he he plays the role he needs to in body double pretty well. Yeah, but, I think he's a solid actor. Just it, he needs like certain roles, is what you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, God, I'm like now I'm like deep in like well, his career started in TV too. He was in Heart to Heart. Um. Yeah. Bob Newhart show, hell yeah, <laughs> for one episode. Um, anyway, so um, I think we both liked it. To your point, it's probably the 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 last one for me that I'm like really checked in on for the Nightmare series. I think the, yeah, so start- I think the first three of this are are pretty solid, and then they kind of really start to drop in quality for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, so what do we want to do for October? This is this is gets us for our, our September run, uh, and I think we can do a recap if you want later on um, on the Killer Threes and all the <laughs> the fascinating choices of, of, of the third movie in the trilogy yeah. or in, in that franchise. The returns uh, of the returns of the Jedi's, if you will. Yeah. So I think for October we doing something like classic horror. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. yeah class. Well, class. Well. I don't know. Class- I guess that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. Technically, <laughs> so we've already done to, some classic horror. <laughs> probably need to specify a little more of because that could be like Frankenstein, Dracula stuff, or you know, there are some people who would probably put a, I don't know, like Poltergeist into classic horror. Uh, the the often maligned, not Steven Spielberg movie. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, I think we we talked about. It, I think the idea was we want to go out and do, um. Uh, point some of the now. some of the big ones of the, the genre yeah i think uh the ones i remember we talked about i don't think we settled on a final final list but it was uh some of the ideas were rosemary's baby i've never seen it i've never seen the omen um the original george romero night night of living dead uh and then psycho um which is uh the obvious not the 1998 um remake <laughs> but uh the original i think it's 1960 um uh, a Hitchcock classic. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think we had yeah. Exorcist in there. Or, yeah, but doing some or uh, the Exorcist. Yeah, some big ones of the genre uh, be pretty fun, appropriate for October. Uh, uh, no, yeah, like I, kind of stuff people would be uh, interested in watching. I uh, I did find the email thread by searching for October. So I know you think it's <laughs> a stupid name, it. but it is how I found that thread, <laughs> so I could start talking about that again. <laughs> Yeah, you know how I found it? I just searched your name. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, 
That's I guess I could search my in my uh my outbox for, <laughs> for my name. Yeah, it's, yeah. But it's a lot more boring. <laughs> talking they get to type in Cocktober. Cocktober. Okay. Hope I don't die before that search history gets cleared in my email because it's gonna look <laughs> real weird. Um cool. Well, that was the killer threes. Um I think if we learned anything that these movies produce at some point a middle-aged dad who has a severe drinking problem. That seems to be the biggest takeaway <laughs> yes. that I have from everything. And never if you let a franchise go long enough, it'll have a middle-aged dad with a drinking problem. Drinking at probably the same bar somewhere in Southern California. <laughs> <as> the <laughs> other drunk dad. Probably a, uh, a very specific reason for that, that inevitably that's who's writing this movie. <laughs> these movies. Uh, yeah, a that's middle-aged probably, guy with a drinking problem. <laughs> that's probably true too. I think it's definitely true of Stephen King. Anything that uh, that he wrote, so yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, so right. yeah, I think um, I don't know. Look at I think we talked about Rosemary's Baby, maybe kicking off things. But I don't know. We can uh, we'll debate. But uh, yeah. I think we have some uh, classic horror coming. Yes, indubitably. <laughs> <laughs>